brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah, who greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. And Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked upon his lowly servant. From this day all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm, and has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of your life, what will you recall? Kind of a loaded question. It's kind of an unfair one, too. Here it is in the middle of August. Most of us are just upset with thoughts of the end of summer. The last thing we want to do is think about the end of our lives. But a week ago on the Today Show, they posted on their website this interview with a doctor who works in hospice care, which is the specialty care for patients who are dealing with terminal illnesses or diseases. And the doctor shared her thoughts in an attempt to guide people on how, not to, uh, how to avoid regret. And the title of the segment was, What a Doctor Wishes People Knew About Living and Dying Well. And probably most of us could imagine what was going to be said, the need to cherish every day as a gift, the reality that tomorrow is not a guarantee, <clears throat> the observation that many people who knew their, their end was coming were upset that they worked so hard or didn't stay as much in touch with, with friends or family members or that they didn't choose to live a happier life. Dr. Miller observed, there's usually regret about having been unkind and selfish It's shame around having ever been a jerk to anybody, including to oneself. And the interview contained a lot of those kind of reflections, the type that you'd expect from someone whose daily work is dealing with people who are confronting their ends. How many people's lives were diminished because of the lack of forgiveness or anger? How much time was wasted on fears or worries? I'll be honest, the whole thing was pretty depressing to me. I don't think that was the intention, uh, but all that sense of trying to to live well and live decently because one day it's all just going to end and you don't know when that day will be. It could be tomorrow. Isn't exactly inspiring to me. 
That's not to dismiss the importance of that question, though. It's a good thing to reflect on. At the end of our life, what will we recall? And perhaps today's celebration gives us a different perspective in a much more hopeful way to consider that. With the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, we mark the end of her earthly life. And from the earliest days of the church, we believe that at the end of her life, Mary's body and soul were assumed into heaven. While the scriptures are silent on it, tradition, from which scripture comes from, by the way, isn't. Uh, From the earliest centuries, when those closest to Jesus were killed, the apostles, the first martyrs of the church, there was almost this this jealous kind of possession of those burial sites and trying to get the remains as relics. It was one way that people felt that connection to these heroes of the faith. That's why if you go to Rome today, you'll find this this massive building called St. Peter's. It's above the burial site of the bones of St. Peter. Well, from as early as the fourth century, once Christianity became legalized in the Roman Empire, there was the great desire for the church to trace and account for all of the holiest sites in Christendom. And it was expressed to one of the emperors who was asking these questions, you know, looking for the relics or the, 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 the grave site of Mary, that there was no grave, there were no relics because the Blessed Mother had been assumed body and soul into heaven. One account tells that Mary died or she fell asleep, and they called that the Dormition of Mary and was placed in a tomb, but that when St. Thomas went to visit the tomb the next day, the tomb was empty, and that there were lilies and roses where the body was. That's why we have lilies here today. There's a whole lot more that can be explained about the origins of that belief of the assumption, but it's important for us to keep centered on, on the Blessed Mother and to consider at the end of her life, what did she recall? And that was something that kept coming to mind as I was looking at the scripture passage that we just heard. With no <clears throat> scriptural account of the end of her life, we hear <clears throat> one of the most important moments from earlier in Mary's life, the gospel story of the, the visitation. The Blessed Virgin Mary, upon hearing the angel Gabriel announce to her the joyful news that she was chosen to be the mother of Jesus, and she has accepted that vocation, that divine call, she goes to her older cousin, Elizabeth. Elizabeth has experienced her own heavenly intervention. She of advanced age, she who was said to be barren, who it was not possible that she and her husband Zechariah would ever have the child that they hoped for and they dreamed of. She was now pregnant as well with John the Baptist. And in the account of these these two women coming together, Mary utters that poetic and sacred response which we call the Magnificat, which is Latin for that very first line, my soul magnifies the Lord. But the thing about that whole scripture passage is, did you ever think about where did it come from? St. Luke wasn't there writing down when this happened. There were no eyewitness reports that were being used for the story to come to light. The only people mentioned here were Mary and Elizabeth, which means that for it to have been here, Mary herself had to have recalled and shared this story with St. Luke in the early Christian community. And the thing that stands out to me is that the Magnificat is is a hymn that that priests and religious and people pray on a daily basis if they pray the Liturgy of the Hours. Every day it's something that we've committed to memory. But the reason that we have this sacred hymn is because Mary had it memorized as well. It was something that was committed to her heart. It was something that probably animated her entire life and all the different experiences and encounters of her life. 
So at the birth of Jesus, when there's no room for them at the inn, she still knew that God had favor on his lowly servant. When the wise men came to visit the Holy Family at that first epiphany, she witnessed the mighty being cast down from their thrones and lifting up the lowly. When her son Jesus is lost in the temple, she remembered how the Almighty had done great things for her. As Jesus is betrayed and suffers the humiliation and torture of his passion, his crucifixion, things that indeed pierced her heart, she knew God would come to the help, remembering his promise of mercy that was made to our fathers, Abraham and his children forever. No, this gospel isn't picked as as filler for another marrying feast day with limited scriptural passages for us to utilize. The Magnificat, Mary's song, while uttered historically at this moment of the meeting between these two women, was a tune that she probably knew way before that moment, which is what prepared her to being open to receptive to God's invitation into her life. It's a song that she continued to voice in every moment of her life through moments of joy and sorrow, of uncertainty and of confusion. And she kept that refrain going when her soul proclaimed that greatness of the Lord, her spirit rejoiced in God her Savior throughout her entire life until her very last moments. So in that, Mary ended her earthly life without any regrets or fears. At the end of life, she recalled the only thing that really does matter. The Almighty continued to do great things for her. We among the, the generations who call Mary blessed, who Jesus has given to us as our mother, we look to her to be our model and our guide. May we follow her example in, in never ceasing to give praise to the greatness of God, rejoicing in him who in her son Jesus has saved us, who looks to do great things with and in and through each one of us.